Five WHMP. Hello and welcome on this Monday to the afternoon buzz. I'm quite excited about today's show. I have a we have a wonderful uh, guest to speak with, Nancy Marr, who's an author of Millicent and the Day It Rained Buttons, which I'm quite excited about, and you'll hear why in a minute. And then, of course, we have um, we have Megan's um, guest, who's going to be the creator of the Amherst Writing. Uh, workshop, and we'll be talking with her. I'm excited about that as well. But first, uh, her name is Catherine Newman. Um, but first, uh, we can't let this um, recurring theme of hurricanes that are more powerful than what we uh, would expect for this time of year and the frequency of them to, to be. Ian is our latest... Uh, Hurricane. Um, it's officially become a Category 1 hurricane. It's currently on a trajectory to rip through Florida. Um, according to the Union of Concerned Scientists, there are 194 schools, including 12 colleges and university, um, in the path, in the trajectory that's being projected for Ian. There are 12 hospitals other medical facilities. There's 124 fire and emergency medical service stations in the pathway. There are 33 city hall buildings. Um, about one quarter of the census tracts currently predicted to experience storm surge are classified as disadvantaged based on factors such as income and education and poverty and exposure to pollution. It's amazing how those disadvantaged communities managed to uh, suffer uh, greater loss in situations like this than other types of communities for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is um, more affluent communities tend to be built on higher elevations um, in terms of concentrations of the population. Obviously, wealthy people build close to the shoreline. Um, all over, but, but this is the seventh year in a row that the uh, that uh, NOAA, the National Ocean, Ocean excuse me, Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, thank you, was predicted well above average hurricane uh, season, and is warning that these warmer sea surface temperatures this summer is going to lead to storms that rapidly intensify as they approach land. I think you know that Fiona, um, after hitting some Caribbean islands and uh, with great devastation, including Puerto Rico, uh, went up to Halifax and has and, and regions in in Canada are suffering uncommon loss. This, uh, you know. It, it, this likelihood, these heat-trapping emissions that we just keep leaching into the atmosphere is creating a likelihood of strong hurricanes, and, and um, so many people are suffering. So I think we should just be mindful of it. And it's very appropriate to talk about it today because we have uh, with us Nancy Marr. I'm going to spell her last name because it's not pronounced as it's spelled. M-E-A-G-H-E-R. Nancy is the author of Millicent and the Day It Rained Buttons. Nancy is on the phone with us. Hello, Nancy. Hi. I nice just, I loved watching your video. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? I wish, I wish listeners could watch it, but they're going to have to listen to our oral descriptions. Sure. Well, the video, the whole project that I've done, excuse <clears throat> me, has come was done locally, and that was important to me. So it was um, Tom Adams, a real-life documentary film in Williamsburg that put that all together. And Jim Geip of Pivot Media did the photography. And um, so many people, Stan Scherer, put together the book. Susan Kaplan narrated, um, the a public radio host. She narrated the video for me. And then Jonathan Stevens of Hungry Ghost Bread, he, um, we used part of his song of the Mill River Flood of 1874. Rauman Black was my um, inspiration. I dedicated the book to him. And Jonathan Sinton's book, Devil's Gentle Licking Water, was 
with my research, my very beginning inspiration was Elizabeth Sharp's book, In the Shadow of the Dam, The Aftermath of the Mill River Flood of 1874. And I'd been teaching up in Turner's Falls, did some work with the Connecticut River Conservancy around the Source to Sea cleanup, which just happened this weekend. And I wrote a book about a fish. This is interesting. They didn't like her spots, but found a spotted dress in the river. There's lots of trash that was cleaned up this past over, past weekend. So then I, um, you know, I went on with the Connecticut River Writing Program and then the Mill River Greenway Initiative, and I found this book by Elizabeth Sharp. And what it was, you know, in this whole account of the flood. And, you know, just like a flood today, it's this devastation. And within that devastation is a story that needs that children will hear about. So let's and talk about that story was, a little bit, Nancy and Mara. Sure. Um, this story follows Millicent. And Millicent is a fish in the yeah. Mill River, our Mill River. And she wants to be a mill girl because she loves the plaid dresses that the mill girls uh, where and there's one girl in particular named Annie and and collects Annie's buttons, right? So let's take it from there. Sure. Sorry to get off on a tangent. Um, no, so you were, I'm fish. glad to hear about the oh. people that worked on it, yeah. This is a fish who um, collects buttons, and she's, she doesn't feel that she's got enough going in her life, and she feels she collects these buttons, these girls drop these girls that work in the button mills in Leeds. And she sees them and thinks they're doing something important. And she wants to be one of them, particularly because she doesn't like her spots. So when the flood happens, when the dam over, overflows because of rain and snow, she finds some of this devastation in the river. And in particular, she finds this plaid dress because... In a flood, everything is torn apart. Clothing is torn off people. So she finds a dress and she puts it on. She makes it fit. There's needles and thread in this river from all the sewing. There's silk thread in this river. There are hoes and rakes. There's a bathtub suddenly. So she she finds that and she gets into the tub because it's very hard to swim in a dress for her. And she meets characters one of them is a real life character who actually um was rescued from this button mill in leeds and she's pulled up onto train tracks and she's not a victim of the flood per se but she's a watcher and she endures watching this devastation and the next person millicent meets is a real life woman named caroline bonnie and she doesn't survive the flood so I thought, how do you tell children about this? And I did a lot of walking around Leeds where there are um, historic photographs in a walking tour. And I thought, how do you, kids walk by these photos, how do you tell them what happened, young children? And since that's sort of, um, I always end up, you know, with a kid's eye view. And my theme for that was not only identity for this fish, she, you know, she wants to be a human. Um, she doesn't feel important. Um, but it's also a, a story of of greed and why this flood even happened. And, and what I'm hoping for is that kids will see, they'll look at this through the eyes of social justice. There are businessmen, they want to create a product. So they hire all these immigrants. Many of them were girls and kids. Some were from um, French Canada. Some, many were from Ireland. Some from Germany. They all came to this area to work in the mills. And in exchange for that creation of goods and, you know, making these people rich, these businessmen rich, these buttons went off to New York City. All these tools, supplies that were made were used. In exchange for that, you would think, that they would be given a safe workspace, and in fact, they weren't. And so they knew from the get-go that this 600 million gallons of water that were stored up in Williamsburg mm -hmm. from this uh, river that was dammed up 
that it was not safe, and they they employ these people anyway. And like you said in your talking about the floods, these were um, these were low lying areas because the water moved down and turned water wheels. It created these little buttons, um, and so they were in low lying areas, and the mill owners' houses would be in the higher areas. So it's just again, it's a situation where is the worker protected? And what uh, another theme in this is empathy. You know, the fish has empathy for this woman named Caroline who truly did die at 18 in this flood. She ran home. Her house was in the river. This is a real person, and I found her grave in Florence at mm. Park Street Cemetery. And I began visiting it um, and I would go every few months. And as I visited, it started tipping. And it was. And every time I'd come, it was more in a slant. And throughout these years, I just felt, who am I to write a story about a girl that drowns or children? But then one day I came and her grave had fallen completely over and oh. broken. And so I felt like maybe this is Caroline and she needs a voice. Her life is important as anyone's. And so I gave her a voice through the river to tell her story. Well, it is, we're talking with Nancy Marr. She's author of Millicent and the Day It Rained Buttons. And the story of how Nancy came to make this, this is wonderful a story, I think, is the story itself. Nancy, you're a member of Gallery A3 at 28 Amity Street in in Amherst, and last yeah. May, Gallery A3 held a month-long Cold Water and Millicent exhibition, which featured the oil paintings of of, of water and and color pencil drawings. It came from your storybook. I just have to ask you: you told us about what inspired you to do it, but um, as opposed to a book, you decided to make this video, which is what about ten minutes long. It is. I was really lucky. Amherst Cultural Council gave me money and also the confidence to move forward with this project that really has been in my mind for about six years. And so when I got that funding, I, you know, pushed forward with the project and so glad I did because it was just always at the front of my mind to tell this story. It's oh, it's a and, it's really a wonderful story. I just I'm sorry, Dan. I just wanted to point out Bombix, the new uh, performing arts venue, is named after the the moth, uh, the, the the caterpillar that spins the silk that uh, was used in silk factories in Florence and Leeds um, a century and more ago. Uh, because buttons and and thread were sort of the heart of the man and toothbrushes eventually were the heart of what uh, the manufacturing um, foundation was for that region. And I know this in part because one of the tycoons was Milo Belding, who was a philanthropist in my town of Ashfield and surrounds. And Milo built our library oh. and our. Uh, but he was an owner of a thread factory, so I know buttons and threads are important. Right. Right. And uh, I find this, this is the, the sort of local economy, right, of the 19th century here. In a flourishing this economy. A flourishing economy and booming economy. But you also see sort of the the exploitations underneath it all, right, to, that you find immigrants who probably didn't have voices. They were women. And then there was a dam, which, Nancy, I believe you said uh, they had an idea and knew it could burst. And it, all it took is one they flood. Did. Yeah, it, it leaked immediately, then it leaked for eight years. And there were people, there was a fellow who would ride up on his horse, and that's him at the beginning of the video. Mm. And he, he would kept checking on it and checking on it because he knew it wasn't safe. And so day after day, you know, the work bell tolled, people go to work. And it was only a matter of time. And um, in the story, I have, you know, the dam arguing with the, the damn wall arguing with the big reservoir of water and saying, mm. you know, I can't do this anymore. Mm. And so there's guilt. The damn wall feels this guilt that they can't hold it. And the reservoir argues back, there's no place for me to go. 
but downhill. Oh, boy. And this is it's just so wonderful. I enjoyed this short video so much. The name of the book, Wait, the video, oh, I want to take where, a break. Where, where, yeah, but where can people uh, watch the video, Nancy? That's what I was just going to... Oh, you were just going to say. Exactly. Sorry. It's I was Millicent anticipating you, Buzz. Millicent and the Day sure. It Rained Buttons. Could you tell us before we take a break, Nancy, and we'll be coming back, but tell folks where they can get copies. Sure. You can buy the book at Historic Northampton or through Gallery A3. I have um, some... But if you go onto the Mill River Greenway Initiative, which has been huge support for me, if you go to their education um, part of their website, you'll see the book and the free video. The really video wonderful. is free. Yeah. And it's really worth it. Whether you have children or not, it's really worth it. We are talking with Nancy Marr, the author of Millicent and the Day It Rained Buttons. We're going to take a quick break and be back with Nancy in just a minute. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. What are we to make of Vladimir Putin's threats to use nuclear weapons in the Ukraine and the United States' response that we would respond? Join us when we hear the views of Michael Clare, Professor Emeritus of Peace and World Security Studies and Defense Correspondent for the Nation. Michael Clare will be our guest. Tuesday at 9 o'clock. Get in on the conversation. Bill Newman. Weekdays at 9. And again at 5. WHMP. News, information, and the arts. Lundgren Honda. Experience it. Now, it isn't just one thing. It is everything you expect when you're looking for your next car, your first car, or to repair your car. Award-winning customer service, no-hassle, negotiation-free pricing, and friendly, familiar faces you know and trust with your vehicle. Hi, Marty here from Lundgren Honda. If you are looking for a pre-owned car, truck, or SUV, we have it. The best selection. The most pre-owned vehicles you'll find anywhere in Franklin County and beyond. Over 100 to choose from. Some dealers may be struggling with their inventory, but not here at Lundgren Honda. We have over 25 half and three-quarter ton trucks in stock and ready to roll. Lundgren Honda is consistently increasing their inventory. The best selection of new and used vehicles in the tri-state region for the best price you'll find anywhere. Experience it. Consumer Satisfaction Award winners two years running. Lundgren Honda proudly provides you with an award-winning experience. See the latest selection of new and certified pre-owned cars at 409 Federal Street and LundgrenHondaOfGreenfield.com. Lundgren Honda of Greenfield. Experience it. If your Spanish-speaking employees spoke better English, would that be good for business? If your English-speaking employees spoke a little Spanish, would that be good for business? The International Language Institute delivers workplace language training, improving communication among coworkers and with customers. You get financial assistance with the Massachusetts Workplace Training Express Fund. They cover 50 to 100% of the cost. So let's get going. Call or email the International Language Institute in downtown Northampton. My dad, Russell Cooper, started Cooper's Dairy in 1936 at the age of 18. As a kid, I'd load bottles into the bottle washing machine or right in the tanker truck to pick up the milk. My father got up at 2 in the morning to make sure all the home delivery routes had been covered. When the milkman era ended, people started to call a location the corner Main and Chestnut in Florence, Cooper's Corner. In 1974, dad bought State Street Fruit Store in Northampton. People used to call it Charlie's back then. Soon, Duyard's Barbershop next door became State Street Deli, and we built State Street Wines and Spirits on the other side. Hi, I'm Rich Cooper, and I've been helping to keep Coopers and State Street committed to our Valley neighbors and farms my entire life. And now, it's time for the next generation to take over. Don't worry, it'll still be quick in, quick out every day of the year, but the next time you run out, you might run into Mike Natale. He's a Florence native, and he'll be taking things from here. Maybe Mike will let me host some wine and cheese tastings for customers, or I suppose I could just be a volunteer greeter at the door. On behalf of the Coopers family, I want to say thank you for supporting us these last 86 years. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And welcome back. We are talking with Nancy Marr, the author of uh, a video and a wonderful book called Millicent and the Day It Rained Buttons. It is a children's story. It is an historical piece that I learned from, um, and I'm sure you will too. And I just wanted to ask, Nancy, Buttons play this recurring theme in the book, um, what do the buttons symbolize, if anything, in terms of identity in general, but 
More specifically, in terms of the historical context of this story. Well, the buttons were uh, developed by this fellow who came over from England. His name is Alfred P. Critchlow, and he initially made buttons out of horn, which could be animal hooves or horn, in Florence. And then he, um, this is an inventor, he developed Florence plastic, made buttons and toothbrush handles from that, and also the daguerreotype cases that you'll see at Historic Northampton. This is all an early, early plastic developed by Alfred Critchlow, who's also buried at Park Street Cemetery in Florence. The, uh, this huge industry, he moved into Leeds, you know, at the same time that he was in Florence. But he expanded into Leeds and took over an old wool building and developed these buttons that were created from nuts that grew in these big pods in South America. And this movement of goods from Ecuador, Ecuador to Leeds, and then from Leeds to New York City became this whole industry um, that kept these mills going. He would he sometimes would work at night when you know he, he could have all this water power to himself. He was an abolitionist um, in Florence and an er- earlier than the mill in Leeds. He would hire. Um, runaway enslaved people. There's a story where he stayed all night in one of the mills hiding a runaway slave. And um, so this is a this is a person who's an inventor. He's a open minded. He's a he's like a free thinker. And um, I just really have been captivated by someone who's so creative and this idea of making something with your hands from nature. This is different than elephant ivory. It's called vegetable ivory. So he was just, I just found him fascinating in so many ways. Alfred Critchlow. Well, speaking of somebody who seems multi-talented and and a sort of Renaissance person, uh, Nancy, you were a, you're an art educator in the Gil Montague Regional School uh, system. And um, you had experience in Boston, in the Boston Museum of Fine Arts. And here you are as a local historian. Um, you sound like a pretty complicated and interesting person yourself. Well, thank you. It takes a lot of thinking. It took years to figure out how to make this story work. And then uh, I did, during the pandemic, I just said, well, I have time here. I can play around with this. And I, I just started draw- making the drawings, not even knowing how the story would end. But then I sort of put it all together, but basically for little kids, um, it's a story about a fish that doesn't like her spots and wants to be useful. And she sees these mill girls and they're everything she'd rather be. Well, let's not give away the ending because it is, this is a book and a video that's endorsed. uh, Neither of us have kids in our, in our household, but both Dan and I, adored what you produced and we really encourage people to get it so one more time tell folks how they can get uh, hands on their on their hands on their copy sure historic northampton has them gallery a3 has them and i have some at my house and you are nancy marr and you spell it m-e-a-g-h-e-r how do people get in touch with you uh let's they can go to the gallery um and they can email me through the gallery or um, I think that's a good way. Or through Gallery A3, Alpha gallery 3, A3 on Amity Street in Amherst. So if you go on their website, you could email them and get in touch with me. Or there's a, a little shop set up on our gallery website, and okay. you could go in and see the book Millicent. Click Her on name it, is Nancy it. Marr. It's Millicent in the Day It Rained Buttons. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for the work that you've done. I think it's important, and a lot of us don't like our spots, and you've taught us how to feel better about it. So thank you so much, Nancy. Yep, great. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to be back uh, with our dear friend Megan Zinn, and she has Catherine Newman, the Secretary of Creative Writing at Amherst College, um, the coordinator of the Creative Writing Center. We're going to be back with Dr. Newman and... Uh, with Megan right after these messages. Stay with us. I have to do, cause I stay home. 
This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Local leaders are looking at alternatives they can offer the community in the wake of rising costs for electricity. State Representative Orlando Ramos spoke with Western Mass News. In the short term, we have to continue to, uh, to oppose these rate increases. We have to continue to oppose these proposals by Eversource and just look into whether or not we can offer an alternative. National Grid announced last week that average household bills will go up about 64% for electricity compared to last winter, starting on November 1st. Meanwhile, Eversource natural gas customers will be paying about 38% more starting in January if approved by state officials. The Baker-Polito administration announced just over $1.2 million in grant funding from the Executive Office of Energy and Environmental Affairs Land Use Planning Program. The funds will support 26 projects across the Commonwealth. The projects range from improving land use practices, conserving land, sustainable development, and even expanding housing choices. A Florence man is facing charges after Northampton Police Department officers that were working the Florence Night Out event saw him driving toward pedestrians on the sidewalk on Saturday. At around 7.40 p.m., a male operator drove his car on the sidewalk toward the pedestrians to get around the blocked roadway by police cruisers. The operator was stopped by two police officers that were at the event. The officer suspected the driver was under the influence of alcohol and attempted to remove him from his vehicle. The driver resisted arrest and physically fought the officers. For the rest of today, partly sunny, chance for a few scattered showers, highs 70 to 74. Tonight becoming mostly clear, overnight lows 46 to 50. And the outlook for Tuesday, look for a mixture of sunshine and clouds, highs around 70. I'm 22 New Storm Team Meteorologist Adam Stremko on 101.5 WHMP. It happens all over Massachusetts. In every home and every community. Be careful on your bike. Learning can happen anytime. Anywhere. And no matter how learning takes place in your family's life, Desi is there as your partner. The Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Never stop learning. Find out more at mass.gov slash back to school. Sponsored by the Massachusetts Department for Elementary and Secondary Education. For the first time in 50 years, I'll be convening a White House conference on hunger, nutrition, and health. This Wednesday, Mr. Belmonte goes to Washington. Hey, that's me. Dad always used to say the only causes worth fighting for were the lost causes. I'll be at the White House conference on food, nutrition, health, and hunger. Hearing from experts and those affected by hunger. Will I get to meet the president? Who knows? With all due respect, that's a bunch of malarkey. Should I bring the AOC-inspired dress that I wore on the March for the Food Bank last year? Probably. Okay. Can you explain why? Be listening later this week and find out if we, as a nation, can find a solution to do what Congressman Jim McGovern has wanted to do for a long time. We must end hunger now. Because I wouldn't give you two cents for all your fancy rules. If behind them, they didn't have a little bit of plain, ordinary, everyday kindness. Plus, this Wednesday is when you can sign up to join the March for the Food Bank 13. Sign up at montysmarch.com. You're not going to have a country that can make these kind of rules work if you haven't got men that have learned to tell you human rights from a punch in the nose. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5. And thanks for joining us. We are here with Megan Zinn. And Megan, what do you have for us this week? Well, today we're going to talk about writing and books. Um, And I'm talking with writer Catherine Newman um, about writing and books and how the pandemic has impacted all of this from her point of view. And Catherine uh, is the author of the memoirs Catastrophic Happiness and Waiting for Birdie. And the middle grade novel, One Mixed Up Night, the kids' craft book, Stitch Camp, the best-selling how-to books for kids, How to Be a Person, and What Can I Say. I'm exhausted. I know, I know. This. It keeps going because she's amazing. The novel, We All Want Impossible Things, which will be published by uh, Harper's in November of this year. Uh, she edits the nonprofit kids' cooking magazine, Chop Chop. 
uh, writes the etiquette column from Real Simple Magazine, which has always been my favorite part of the magazine. Thank you. Um, and is a regular contributor to the New York Times, uh, the Oprah Magazine, Parents Magazine, Cup of Joe, and many other publications. And she lives in Amherst with her family, although with her empty nest now, <laughs> um, like me. Um, so, Catherine, um, We All Want Impossible Things is your first novel, correct? That's right. My yeah. first uh, adult novel, I like to say, even oh, though that's then right. it sounds dirty. But I know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a difficult... Um, English needs better words for these things. Um, so tell us a little bit about the book. Okay. The book is... Um, I've, I've been describing it as a, a trashy friendship hospice romance. Excellent. You know, that genre. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, that again. Those um, tropes. Yeah. Um, it's a woman whose best friend is dying in hospice mm -hmm. um, and has – it's her um, giving herself over to this loss mm -hmm. while also raising kids, trying to stay married not super well. Um, and just trying to stay intact oh. as she's kind of blown apart. Oi. Um, oi. 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 But knowing you're writing, I imagine there's a lot of um, humor and heart to it, too, while it's challenging and that's difficult. The, that's the hope. <laughs> um, as someone said who did not buy it. Um, oh, good Goodness. Someone who did not buy it said, um, we're going to have to get rid of some of this shtetl humor. Wow. wow. Them fighting words. That's did not that's get, a lot. I doubled down on the shtetl humor, just to be clear. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so how did the pandemic, you know, were you actively writing during the pandemic um, or was the manuscript mostly done by March of 2020? Um, I had not started the book oh, by okay. March of 2020. Um, and my experience... Um, I think was probably like a lot of writers experience. There was that first wave, mm -hmm. the early pandemic, when I just had this kind of drumbeat of fear and oh. I could not organize my thoughts. Yeah, I can imagine. I was afraid at night um, that triage tent in Central Park mm -hmm. in New York, it was like right outside my parents' apartment oh, wow. building. So oh, my wow. dad's 90, my okay. mom's 85. I was so afraid. Read, mm -hmm. you know. Remember that we didn't oh, yes. understand. And, yeah, and we no we idea what anything. was going to happen and, and how bad it could and, be. Right, and I just was afraid all the time. Um, and I wrote my parents like <laughs> this email that was like, "I have always loved you very much." Oh gosh! And they wrote back oh, and us you. And I remember feeling like, okay, let's, you know, pray for the best. So there was that period, mm -hmm. you know, where you listen listen to that Alicia Keys song, Good Job, and like cried, you know, where yeah. people were actually out in the world being brave. Right. And I was being brave, like huddled at home, mm -hmm. you know, cooking like half a baked potato yeah. for yeah. everybody. I wonder if anybody could write or be creative then. I I really, I don't know. I have trouble imagining I couldn't it. read a book. Like mm -hmm. I, it was just, and then, and then I feel like I went from that period to, um, a period of great productivity that I think of as, you know, that kid's book, Frederick, where there's that mm -hmm. mouse. Do you yes. know this book, the Leah Linney book? <laughs> so it's like basically an apology for writers. But but in this kid's book, um, Frederick the mouse, like everybody's like working really, really hard. They're, you know, storing acorns for the winter. And every time they look over, he's just sitting on a rock. Like, <laughs> With a flower. Yeah, like holding a flower. And they're like, what about you? And he's like... I'm gathering the sun's rays oh in my, my memory. Like he's never working, mm -hmm. but he, and then later he, like they're cold and hungry and it's the winter and somehow he saves their lives with poetry <laughs> that he has stored of up. Course. I became Frederick, like while mm -hmm. people were working in the ER and like actually, you know, making sure the food chain was undisrupted, I was writing things. Um and I wrote a lot. Then I yeah. had this like bizarre, and partly that was because I didn't have little kids at home. Mm -hmm. So yes. I wasn't in the childcare yeah. possibility mm -hmm. that other women were in. Right. And in fact, because my high school kid didn't have to get up at the crack of dawn mm -hmm. anymore because she was on Zoom school, our lives like got, got embarrassingly yeah. a little bit easier. And she was home to talk to the whole time. So mm -hmm. I started 
the winter, that first pandemic winter, which we always call it. So that was the winter of 2020 going into 21. Okay. I, on New Year's Eve of that winter, I said, I'm going to write a novel this year. Um, and then I just like you just did sat so down. 2021 was your novel year. I wrote it in like three months. Wow! Because I wanted to write it. It's a novel that takes place in the winter, and I wanted to write it oh. in the, during the winter. This was we all want impossible things. Yeah. Yes. And the impossible thing I wanted was to write a book during a single season, and I was did able that. to do that, but only because. I didn't. I didn't have to do anything else. That's true. Um, did Did you double down on the shtetl humor in that book? Doubled down on the shtetl yeah, humor. Yeah. In fact, that's a writer I mean, who can coin that. The humor was how we survived everything, so it's not surprising right? at all. I mean, the Jews like we wouldn't be here without. Well, the no, we would not. humor, but and happy New Year, by the way. Yeah, happy New <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody. Um, I, what year is it? I know. It's 5783. Okay. It's 83 again. I'm almost graduating from high school. Yeah. That's it. There you go. I'm sorry, Dan Torres. You're here. We have a minion here. Oh, God. I just want to say I'm confused for being Jewish by almost everybody in public, so I really feel like I belong. I I know. You really good. I I assumed you were Jewish, actually. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) I don't know what to say, Buzz. No, this is. you're 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 a member of the club. I am a member of the club, right. honorary. <laughs> um, back to the book. No, I was gonna back to the shtetl. Oh, shtetl. I was gonna <laughs> say that. Um, so there's some complicating things about this novel. One is that um, my best friend of forty something years died in hospice, um, and I was. Uh, there with her for a lot of it. And the other thing is that I volunteer at the Fisher Home in Amherst. Oh, yes. Um, I make dinner every Monday for the residents there. And I've done that for a bunch of years. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and somebody, when I was writing my novel, somebody in the Fisher Home listened to Fiddler on the Roof round the clock. Wow. Didn't just listen to it, but it was on TV in her room, and she was hard of hearing, and it just blasted through That's the house. a lot to unpack. So, like, it was the soundtrack of all these people mm-hmm. dying. It was yeah. Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah. And, like, you were taking your last breath. And it was like if I were a rich man blaring oh, wow. into your room. And it was so intense. And that's in the novel. And I think that's shtetl humor. There you go. Um, you know, other than um, the pandemic giving you the space to write this novel, um, how else do you have a sense that the pandemic shaped it, if if you do have a sense of that? I feel like the pandemic, um, I, I felt honestly, and I don't mean this in a like mercenary markety way, although mm-hmm. that also is true, but I felt like suddenly culturally we were ready to talk about death. Ah, that yeah. The, that the pandemic steeped us mm-hmm. in this um, needing to reckon with loss yes. and look at it and like hold it tenderly and look right at it. Not Who is us? Good at. Who is us? American culture? Uh, I feel like uh, the the people of the United States, mm-hmm. like that there had not been sort of so much looking at death. Yeah. And then it was everywhere and inevitable and nobody knew somebody who hadn't just lost Megan, somebody. was your creativity sort of inspired by the pandemic? Uh, mine was, well, my, my, I think my creativity was killed by the Trump administration. So well, it goes back a little further. That, I kind of stopped right. writing a lot. I mean, I, I, I lost my ability to write to a great extent um, with the Trump administration. It hasn't really come back, but that's another no, story. No, that, I mean, that is the other piece of it was the sort of abject terror of of being without a center or a yeah. leader, like mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. vacuum of leadership during yes. that time was so profound yes. and, and disorienting. Yeah, and fear will do not, fear is great for, for some people's creativity, not not great for others, not great for mine. Um, and um, we're, we're going to go on a break in a sec, but, um, and I did want to um, ask about when we get back your um, second how-to book for kids and how that has been shaped um, by this experience of ours. That's great. It, it's so nice to have you here, Catherine Newman, in studio, the Secretary of Creative Writing at Amherst College. And uh, we also have to ask you, Catherine, um, in, in terms of creative writing, how is it that something like the pandemic inspires creativity as opposed to dampening creativity. We're going to ask 
Catherine, that and other questions right after we come back. Stay with us. Sending it out tonight to Greg and to Larry. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg. 101.5 well, WHMP. was a guzzling Lone Star beer. Talking religion and a politics for all the world to hear. They ought to send you back to Russia, boy. Or New York City one. You just want to do to look Christian girl and you kill God's only son. I said, has it occurred to you, you nerd, that that's not very nice? We Jews believe it was Santa Claus that killed Jesus Christ. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. So this is Massachusetts' way of saying, we think it's an important program. We think it's important enough to continue for students and their families. And we're going to put the money up front to make sure it continues so that if the federal government does not renew it, Massachusetts will still have universal school meals. 1015-1400-1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. Hi, this is Jessica from Fitness Together. I meet clients every day who tell me that as the number on their scale grew higher, their self-esteem dropped lower, and going to a traditional gym absolutely terrified them. Here at Fitness Together, we'll work with you one-on-one, -on -one, either virtually or in one of our private suites in Amherst or Northampton. We'll help you set and reach your fitness goals, and most importantly, smile every time you look in the mirror. Fitness Together in Amherst and Northampton. Your self-worth is worth Fitness Together. At American National, we understand the tried and true farm and ranch lifestyle, and what's important to you is important to us. You deserve an insurance plan custom made to meet all the specific needs of your agribusiness operation. American National offers flexible farm and ranch policies with package options to help better protect your livelihood. We're right by your side. For more information and to connect with a local American National agent, just visit AmericanNational.com. American National Property and Casualty Company and Affiliates, Springfield, Missouri. Getting your credit score and credit report free is another great reason to bank at Greenfield Savings Bank. With the GSB Credit Center, you can monitor your credit score and credit report as often as you like, set up alerts, and find tips on how to improve your credit score. Getting your credit score and credit report free is another great reason to bank at Greenfield Savings Bank. With the GSB Credit Center, you can monitor your credit score and credit report as often as you like, set up alerts, and find tips on how to improve your credit score. Monitoring your credit score and report is an important tool in protecting your finances and can help you identify errors and prevent fraud. Our GSB Credit Center is just one of the great benefits that comes free with both our free online banking and our free mobile app. And with the GSB mobile app, you can check your score and access your credit report free anytime and from anywhere using your mobile device. And checking your credit report at the GSB Credit Center will not affect your credit score. Sign up today at any of our offices or online. Greenfield Savings Bank. Greenfieldsavings.com. Member FDIC. Member DIF. Mobile carrier charges may apply. Want to support the kind of talk you hear on the afternoon buzz? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, your message at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And you'll be supporting the local news, valley talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, your message at whmp.com and add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP. Your message at whmp.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back with Megan Zinn and Dr. Catherine Newman. <laughs> Doctor and writer Catherine Newman. Um, well, one question that Buzz had asked before we went to the break was, uh, how did you phrase it? How did, how did the pandemic affect creativity? Um, and I imagine it is um, across the spectrum. Um, how did it affect your creativity in general? Um, well, I mean, I, was, I think in some of the ways I was describing that, at first it kind of shut me yeah, all down. Right. And then there was kind of this time I work an administrative job at Amherst College and I did not have to go to work. Yes. And boy, was there time to write. And I started to be aware that all of my writer friends who have 
you know, kind mm-hmm. of crappy day jobs, had a lot of time to write. So I think there was, um, for people, again, who weren't scrambling after mm-hmm. childcare yes. or home, de facto homeschooling mm-hmm. their kids, mm-hmm. I think there was some some time. And I feel, yeah. in fact, like there was a kind of boom of novels that came out of the pandemic. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah um, I, I do know of some creative work. I know that the film um, Belfast, um, Kenneth Branagh's film, it's, um, he, it's not a book, but he wrote that. And he, he said it would never have happened if not for the pandemic, but he was kind of stuck at home and rethinking this other crisis experience in his life, which was, you know, the troubles in Ireland when he was a child. I think That's right. And that way of um, somebody, a writer I love, Rufy Thorpe, who mm-hmm. wrote um, The Knockout Queen, which is an incredible novel. She, one of her pieces of advice is to um, put your characters like in an extreme situation, yeah. you know, that they're stuck on a bus or they're something. And I was thinking that Boy, the pandemic, we were in an extreme situation. Yep. Anybody who was sheltering at home, you were just locked in with people. And there was something about that that I think for a lot of people was very fruitful. Yeah. Just that kind, kind of, of freeing. Under, yeah, under yeah. duress kind of what relationships <laughs> Yeah, Turn yeah. Um, so you, you know, you 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 put out a um, how-to book for kids before the pandemic, and with the first one being, um, which was the first one? How, what, to, um, be how to be a person. Yeah. Yes, which I actually own, bought for my son as he <laughs> as he flew the coop. Um, and the second one, what can I say? A kid's guide to super useful social skills to help you get along and express yourself was released this past May. Was that also written primarily it, during the pandemic? That also was written entirely during okay. the pandemic. Um, and it was, oddly, it was an idea we'd already had. And then the pandemic, um, I mean, I think it's safe to say that my daughter and I became actually feral during the pandemic. Excellent. Like somebody would knock on the door and we would run crying, like into the basement. You know, like we God forgot forbid completely we should talk to people. Have so, how we have social you know, skills. Be yes, absolutely. Person who could like talk on the phone mm-hmm. or be regular. I've lo- I lost most social skills. Yeah, yes. Right. People would come over later, even just to sit outside and. I would just be really, really strange and then yeah. have like a meta commentary on my strangeness and then eventually <laughs> they would leave. This sounds familiar. Yeah, right? And it was like the Shackleton, we called it Shackleton hosting where it was like winter, but people would come over and sit outside and right. you'd give them quilts. Anyway. This is a person who wrote How to Be a Person. I, I know, right? I have no idea how to be a person. I, I'm sorry it had to come out this way. Um, <laughs> but we felt like kids were going to just, lose their opportunities to do regular stuff like make friends and make Mm -hmm. small talk Mm -hmm. and talk to somebody sitting next to them on the bus and talk to teachers and be with their fam, their extended families. Um, So we designed this book as kind of a, it's not explicitly about the pandemic, Mm -hmm. but we had pandemic lost skills in mind. And we know people are using it that way. Oh, that's wonderful. Like in schools and stuff. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah it's really great. To yeah. Are there and what, any, any um, specific um, skills the books teach that you want to cite that, that you think would be particular, are particularly well, of it use? It really runs the, the gamut. Small talk is very challenging is. for a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, kids and grownups alike. Um, and so there's that, but then it also, you know, it was also written during, um, the Black Lives Matter protests. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it has a lot to about um, talking about difficult things, talking to your racist uncle at the Thanksgiving mm-hmm. table. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to just kind of treat everything as a learnable, teachable yeah. social skill. Wow, that's beautiful. Um, so do you, do you have a, you know, from your point of view as both a writer and a reader and, and not both, but a writer, a reader, and somebody who works with a lot of writers in your day job and in, in the creative writing program at Amherst, do you have a sense of, of has the pandemic changed books in general? Has it changed the kind, are the kinds of books coming out that were written during the pandemic different or taking a different angle or edge? I don't know. Do you think so? I've heard a little bit. I um, I'll, I'll you know out myself here. I'm a big romance reader, <laughs> yes. and I do know um, some folks I listen to who talk about romance. Um, a podcast I like. They've really talked about how one thing they're expecting to see, and they are starting to see now, is books with big adventure. 
because people couldn't leave their houses. And um, so, where you know, there are some romance novels that are very, they sometimes described as the whole thing takes place in a phone booth, very intimate and focused about the relationships between the people. And um, there's definitely books coming out sort of even in the vein of Romancing the Stone, the movie from the 80s, which is basically is, is a romance novel um, turned into a, um, a film. And it's so these so people getting out of their house and having big adventures, road trips, that kind of thing. Um, so I'm definitely I think that's definitely there. Um, but I don't have a sense. I don't know enough about what's coming out fiction wise. I don't in know. Sort of either. literary fiction. Yeah. I'm I'm not really Be sure. Really curious. I mean, I read a lot and I keep being curious about the extent to which the pandemic is actually going to show up in right. books. It's as also itself. the the publishing process can take so long. I know. It's hard to know if we're even seeing it or just I mean, your book is not even out until right. November. So that's a pandemic written book yeah. that is not even out yet. So it's it's I suspect it's something that, you know, um Literary people are going to be able to look back and commentate, comment, comment on in ten years. Yeah, or they can look back and then see those patterns that um, might be pretty hard to see right now. Um, well, what are you working? Okay, what are you working on right now? Um, I am writing another novel. Yay! Adult. An- another adult, <laughs> adult novel, grown-up novel with shtetl humor, um, <laughs> and. It is another non-adventure book. It's a mm-hmm. very quiet book about a family at, at the um, Cape Cod rental they've been mm-hmm. renting for 20 years. Is it purely fiction? Or is it based oh, is on... any book purely fiction? It's not. No. No. <laughs> it's barely fiction. And in fact, I was trying to think of a good name so that I wouldn't out my son. This is true. The name I came up with is Benji. His name is Ben. ben. Yeah, that's not much that's of a his change. his actual name, and I'm writing the book with it. I'll change it. How subtle. Yeah, right? I know. I that used to, when I when my kids were little and I wrote about them, my, my children's names are Charlie and Theo, Charles and Theodore, and I referred to them as Chuck and Ted. Oh, God, that was my incredibly clever. Yeah, that is clever. Very, very, very clever pseudonyms for my children. Um, so you're, uh, just as a reminder, your, um, your book, We All Want Impossible Things, is coming out in November, which is almost a month away. It's almost October, my goodness. So tell us where you can get the book. Uh, pretty much anywhere you can get a book. It better to get it somewhere indie or mm-hmm. bookshop.org. Is that what that site is? Bookshop.org. I think yes, so. Yeah. That's it. Thank you. And um, Or, you know, ask your indie store to order it or ask your library. If you don't want to spend 25 bucks on a book, which I'm sympathetic to, ask mm-hmm. your library to get it and they probably will because that's yeah. what they do. Yeah. Wait, way to sell your books. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to make a fortune. Get it at the library. <laughs> get it for free at the library. Yeah. <laughs> But I always like to remind people that if you want to order a book and you don't need it tomorrow, you can order it from your library, yeah. from your, I'm sorry, from from your, your local bookstore. Store. I know. You don't have to order best. it from a megalith mail order company that no, shall not be named. if you go to the library, look in the barely fiction section because that's where, <laughs> that's where it'll be. Megan Zinn, thank you so much. Catherine Newman, thank you so much for joining us. Totally delightful, and you're obviously a very skillful, talented person. Everybody else, join us tomorrow. We can't wait to talk with you again. Have a great night. I went to the backyard to burn my only clothes, and the dog ran out and said, You can't turn nothing. This is the afternoon buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 WHMP. But that monkey might be right And if he is I'll be walking in my whole life This week's Shop Tuesday is Slancha. This Tuesday at 9 a.m., Slancha releases gift certificates for their restaurant in Holyoke. High up on Jarvis Avenue with a view of Holyoke and beyond, good food and drink, lunch and dinner daily. Plus, a private upstairs party room with a bar.